Big news, Brandon. Hit me. At long last, our tour of the streaming services here on Must Watch has brought us to Amazon Prime Video. I know that we have said we were going to do it for multiple weeks (laughs) and then simply did not. Uh, But that's because there were two very big, very important projects that we really loved and wanted to talk about. Those would be Bo Burnham's Inside and the premiere of Loki. And finally, we are we have arrived on our streaming services tour at long last. At long last, here on Must Watch to Amazon Prime Video. I am Jean Bentley. I'm Brandon Katz. And we're here to talk about all things Amazon. So I think we should start where we have on all of our other little tours through streaming land, our, our episodes on Hulu and Disney Plus and stuff like that. Where do you think that Amazon Prime Video fits into the streaming landscape? What do you use Amazon Prime Video for and what do you think it is known for? It's it's such a good question, Gene, particularly for Amazon Prime Video, because half the time, they seem like they're really trying to compete and win the streaming wars and beat Netflix. And the other half of the time, they don't give a shit. And (laughs) what I mean by that is uh, they will spend, like last year, they spent eight and a half billion dollars on content. This year, they're spending about nine billion. You know, that includes $450 million on one season of their Lord of the Rings TV show alone. Uh, You know, they they go out and they acquire big, expensive movies. They, They release some films in theaters. So they do try in that regard. But at the same time, for a decade, they have not updated their absolutely universally agreed upon horrible user interface and, 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 and all their kind of display modules on Amazon Prime. They don't ever release any sort of even remotely tangible, uh, accurate subscriber numbers or viewership stats, which are, yes, self-congratulatory, but also a way to tell others out there, hey, this is a water cooler show. This is what people are watching. It drives viewership. Uh, you know, they, they don't have any sort of regular schedule and they often go months without in, in between the release of big kind of attention grabbing shows. So it's so funny because I think Jennifer Salky, who's the head of Amazon Studios, is a damn good executive. Damn good. But Amazon Prime Video has straddled the line of being a completely aimless turd. And also a really powerful streamer. So when you ask that question, Gene, it is difficult to answer because they don't necessarily yet have a brand identity. Now, over the last couple of years, they have been pivoting away from these kind of successful but niche watch shows like a Transparent or a Mozart in the Jungle. And now they're more about taking greater kind of broad appeal home run swing. So like, you know, Lord of the Rings is coming up. Wheel of Time is coming up. They have The Boys, which is this breakout, you know, superhero show. So it's funny. I I still think, especially with Amazon buying MGM recently, they have yet to truly develop who they are as a streamer. And now that they are clearly saying once and for all, okay, we're committed to competing. I think we'll start to see that become more clear in the near future. Yeah, I think what you said about Jen Salky being a really great executive is a good point. And I would also say that like the things that she has started enacting since she has been there are things that really aren't going to be coming to fruition until 
this year and and last year, and obviously there was the pandemic. So a Mm -hmm. lot of the biggest swings are things that we have not seen yet and might not see for a couple of years. Correct. So, so the time will tell on that, but I do think that after Amazon started original content like 10 years ago with this weird pilot program where they would commission pilots for like a handful of shows and then users would watch the episodes and then (laughs) vote on which ones they thought were the best. And then allegedly they would take that user data and turn the most popular or well-reviewed ones into actual series. At least it was innovative. I'll say that. It was innovative. Do you believe that they really relied on like idiots commenting (laughs) on on their programming decisions i I don't i don't know innovative doesn't always mean productive (laughs) yeah and then unfortunately there were some short-lived shows that were really critically acclaimed i think about the show good girls uh revolt which was incredible if you haven't watched it you totally should it's a great one season show Um, and that was in large part to an exec ouster um you know we don't have to talk about that (laughs) thank goodness um those days are behind it but it's definitely taken it's taking some time to really come into its own um but I think that it has started to with the success of A Marvelous Mrs. Maisel which Mm -hmm. is definitely its signature show um but Interestingly, I think if you look across the Amazon Prime Video original titles, a lot of its best original shows and and some of its movies as well are very action heavy. So I think that we're instead of outlining just all of the biggest original shows on Amazon, uh, we're going to highlight some of the favorite our favorite action shows on Prime. I like that, Gene. You you always find those interesting niches because you're right. As as they kind of are a bit all over the map, and have been like, yeah, we'll do prestige movies that nobody sees and blockbuster action. I, I like to focus on one subset category where uh, a streamer is clearly building a strength. And you're absolutely right that action is one of them. Yeah. So I think that you mentioned before talking about their film strategy. Amazon Studios has been financing or buying at um, film festivals uh, movies that have been theatrically released and and kind of financing that for many years now. And there are some big movies. Uh, I think probably the, the marquee would be Manchester by the Sea because it was so Oscar, you know, it's an Oscar winning yeah. film. But other, I think the, the movies that they've tend to, tended to buy have actually been more s- small comedies like mm-hmm. the big sick or Which late night or s- something like that um but yeah but now i think they've also started to expand the genres and also they're financing originals specifically for the streaming service so not things that are going to be theatrically released so I think about Without Remorse, which is... Uh, That's what they acquired from Paramount. Yeah, and same yeah. with Coming to America. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was the uh, the Tom Clancy one with Michael B. Jordan. Um, and then they have the upcoming film, The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. So these are like bigger, bigger titles that are 
that are coming to the streaming service and and the the films that are theatrically released do eventually live on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. Video so it might not be there at first but that is where those movies are. Yeah. Now their biggest original films to be- debate to date have been acquisitions. You know, Manchester and the Big Sick were festival acquisitions as was, you know, Late Night, The Report and Britney Runs a Marathon. The one the action ones you just mentioned were studios selling them off in the pandemic and Amazon really realizing that the nature of movie going ha- has shifted at least for now. Uh, it's interesting to me because they used to be such a prestige player or a would-be prestige player because not every movie like Gus Van Sant's My Left Foot, which I, or, or sorry, not My Left Foot, he won't get far on foot, was very good to me. But, you know, nobody saw it. What I do think is interesting is Jennifer salky has been pretty open. Something like Late Night, which was a, a more or less pretty delightful comedy, bombed in theaters, absolutely just bombed, lost so much money, as did Britney uh, Runs a Marathon. And yet Jennifer Salky acknowledged that, yeah, these were box office flops, but late nights become before, you know, uh, coming to America and with, without remorse arrived, one of their most watched movies ever. And actually she, in, in her uh, report, drove signups. So I think Forbes's Scott Mendelson has actually come up with a good term, a successful disappointment because the, the <laughs> metrics and the way we view a success and failure have changed with the streaming component. So we are seeing Amazon adapt and, and basically modernize the way they go about films. Yeah. And listen, Jeff Bezos isn't hurting for money. He's too busy oh, yeah. going to space or whatever. I don't know. Amazon so Prime Video is a loss leader for Amazon and, and it exists yeah. solely not, not to necessarily be the number one streamer. Although now that they bought MGM, they clearly have designs on that, but it exists to be an added value element for prime members. And you'll be watching a TV show and Miss Marvelous Maisel will put on her stockings and you, the audience member, will be like, that reminds me, I got to buy socks. I can do that on amazon.com and stay in the same ecosystem. That's exactly why it exists. Yes, exactly. And so there will be more films coming. I think that the, but in terms of the action that we're we're promising to talk about. I think we can start with a title like Jack Ryan, which is the uh, John Krasinski show where he plays, you guessed it, Jack Ryan. (laughs) And it's also based on a Tom Clancy. I think it's like the same books that Without Remorse yeah, like without so, remorse is like a prequel or a sequel. I don't know. Michael B. I'm not Jordan's a dad character. at an airport bookstore. I can't tell you. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan's character in Without Remorse and the uh, Rainbow Six that they also wanted to make is basically like friend frenemies, kind of partners, whatever, with Jack Ryan in, in the novels. So you know that crossover is probably going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and listen, it is a big swing which is I think something that Amazon is willing to do because they do have the money. It is a very global series. The first two seasons really shot all Mm -hmm. over the world. Um, Huge action set pieces, a lot of money involved in, in those kinds of practical effects and the world spanning uh, shoots that they do. So that is something that I think you can only really do on Amazon. And that's why they have focused also on acquiring 
as you mentioned before, things like the Lord of the Rings rights or Wheel of Time, because these are big sprawling projects that need to be invested in if they're going to be done really well or to a degree where people are going to be talking about it. And so that's something that Netflix can do. And they definitely did that with Jack Ryan. To that exact point, I believe a couple of years ago when season one came out, I wrote in my review that it's a big budget 24. And if you like 24, which I think mixed serialized elements with procedural elements as it went on, I think you'll like Jack Ryan, which is simplistic and doesn't reinvent the wheel, but does what it wants to do pretty well overall. Yeah, exactly. And it's like John Krasinski runs around um, with abs, with abs. Yeah. (laughs) With like tight shirts where you can see his biceps. I don't know. That's sure. Hollywood loves taking a somewhat, you know, nerdy everyday white guy and turning him into a ripped action hero. Like there's nothing Hollywood loves more. Exactly. And guess what? We just keep watching it. So (laughs) it's true. So like, yeah. So Jack Ryan, one of the showrunners is Carlton Cuse, who's one of the co-showrunners on Lost. Very middle of the road. Very, I think, like you just said uh, about the Tom Clancy novels, which I would also apply to Without Remorse. Dad at an airport. You know, that is one I would suggest. That's the niche it's going for. Not everyone's going to love it, but what it wants to do and who it wants to serve. Yeah, solid job. I would consider it a success, a win, a victory, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, then let's move on to another title, which would be Hana, which is based on the film. It's kind of a, it's like a remake slash continuation of it. I don't know. How would you describe it? I would describe it as I really liked the movie with Saoirse Ronan and I have not watched the show. <laughs> okay, well. Explain. But I know, I know it's okay. good and I know people... Yeah. It's so funny because it's one of their long, their longer running shows. So I know people really like Hana and really people really like Bosch on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, yeah. Two, two long running Prime Video originals that I have not yet checked out. It's on the list. Please don't yell at me. I mean, speaking of dads and airports, I'm yeah, sorry exactly. that I have not checked out Bosch, but I honestly do like random detective series that you can buy at airports. So I feel like I would yeah. personally love Bosch. I just have not watched it. But like Crackerjack but- airplane novels yeah, in yeah, TV exactly. form. So. So Hannah, the movie though, starred Saoirse Ronan as like, she's like a teen assassin, essentially, right? Like she's, she's getting bent. I don't know. Can you describe the movie? Yeah. It's like, wasn't she, you know, trained and kind of made to do this from a young age. So she has this horribly sheltered, you know, 11 from Stranger Things-esque origin story. Then she kind of becomes aware of the world around her and, and, you know, what she's being used for and rebels and everyone who gets in her way seriously fucking regrets it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so they kind of like remade slash extended it for TV where, uh, I'm actually blanking on the actress's name, but, um, I should Google that actually. Yeah, I, got, I, I gotcha. This. Okay. Okay. So it stars a different actress. As uh, Esme Creed M- Miles. Esme Creed Miles, whose mother is actually the actress Samantha Morton. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's not fun. That's cool. a fun fact. Yeah, that is a fun so, fact. So, like, she has been raised by her dad, who is Joel Kinnaman, in the woods, and he's trained her, and she has all these assassin skills, and then she goes down, and she is then on her own in the real world, and kind of, like, getting vengeance and fucking shit up, uh, is how I could <laughs> describe it. Between yeah. For All Mankind, uh, Hannah... And Altered Carbon, Joel Kinnaman has cornered the market on like generic, bland, sad white guy with a past. 
Yeah, he sure has a past in this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really fun. I watched the first season. I didn't watch the second, but it's it's a it's a good in the same spirit of the film, um, which also starred Kate Blanchett. So that character is played by Mireille Eno, who was Joel Kinnaman's uh, co-star in The Killing. So that so that's fun. There's a little bit of a killing reunion. Um, but it's a good solid adaptation that I think don't, doesn't necessarily get heralded is heralded. Jesus. Can I talk today? I don't know. I'm You're so sorry. It, Listen, it is a movie to TV adaptation that is pretty good. And I think doesn't necessarily get heralded as such because it's not on a higher profile streaming service and the main girl isn't Serge Ronan. And, you know, it just doesn't have the wattage that it might've had on a different streaming service, but I think it's really good and really solid and totally worth checking out. You know, Amazon to, to your point of, of high wattage, Amazon does more on platform marketing for its shows than anybody else. And they actually do, do some external marketing, but it's really not as splashy or high profile or mainstream as like Netflix buying out subways and, 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 and billboards and doing balls to the wall efforts, even though Amazon does spend a lot on marketing. So I do think because of that, because of their inconsistent scheduling, there's a lot of lost in the shuffle-ness, which I know is not articulate, but very much describes all of Amazon's push. Yeah. Well, then, interestingly, the next title that we're going to talk about is one that I think has broken through into the cultural zeitgeist, and that is The Boys, which is one of my favorite shows on Amazon, I would say. I really love Maisel. I really obviously love Fleabag. Um, And The Boys. The Boys is really up there. It's like the anti-superhero show, the meta-superhero show. Um, (laughs) And and it's fun. You know, The Marvelous Miss Maisel is clearly their kind of breakout original, but I think The Boys is their flagship show. It is their Stranger Things, their Game of Thrones, their Mandalorian. And I think the kind of third-party viewership metrics back that up to a certain degree. And like you said, I'm not as big of a fan of it as everybody else is, though I do like it. I think it revels a bit too much in its own cruel sense of humor and its own love lust for as grimy, gory, bloody, and visceral as it can get. Uh, I always like to say in, in my reviews, they think it's Marvel meets Shakespeare, but Stan Lee isn't laughing. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's funny. I think it's witty. I think yeah, it I is. do. I want to say I do like yes. it. I just you, don't yeah, like it as much as the whole things. general population does. Sure. And as much as it likes itself. Right. Because I think that's part (laughs) of the joke um, is that it's about the there's a big group of superheroes who are who are heralded as the heroes and protectors of the country. But actually, they're all terrible and bad. And there's a group of people trying to take down the bad guys. and it, but but it but the outsider humor I think is really mm-hmm. relatable to everyone, no matter who you are. I think it is funny. I think the performances are really great. Yes. You have Jack Quaid, who is just this really affable, 
like hero, generic white guy hero, right? But also he has a certain something about him that makes yeah. him very compelling. And that's probably genetic because his parents are Meg Ryan and um <laughs> and uh um Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with me today? Nothing's wrong I'm with you, Jane. Memory wipe. Anyway, his parents are Meg Ryan and and Dennis Quaid, and so like you definitely have to have a certain something about you um, when those are your parents, and yeah. he really does. He has it. I think he's really great, and um, he's like the emotional center. I think of yeah. the show, and and you see it through his eyes, right? He's this outsider coming into this world, so you're entering it with him, and. He's a very relatable character to do that with. Yeah, his innocent naivety plays well with Carl Urban's kind of grizzled, weathered, anti-superhero, you know, terrorist to a certain degree. And then I think Anthony Starr as Homelander is probably the breakout scene stealer of the show to me. And, and I do find their take on, you know, power corrupts absolutely and how we have prepackaged, commodified superheroes to meet our commercialist, sensationalistic, capitalistic needs, as opposed to just empowering these superheroes to help the world. I think that stuff is interesting. I think sometimes they can kind of maybe fall prey to the dredges and get and get too lost in the lowest common denominator. But there are some standout elements in the show. And like you said, it's very well cast across the board. Yeah. And I think that they have takes on like toxic masculinity and like you said, power corruption and, and all of these things that are done in a really fun way and definitely not a really, not always a really preachy way. Like this is a very, these are very obvious messages that are being given, but it's not just super repetitive. It's like, yeah, actually I'd, you know, they're saying this because it's true and I, and I understand and I agree. And, um, I think that, uh, particularly with the lack of female characters, like, I think that they started to address that more in the second season and hopefully they'll continue in the third, but it's definitely something that the creator of the show, Eric Kripke, like is aware of and is addressing and will not shy away from criticism of, of that point. Um, and that I think is like, okay, you're practicing what you preach, right? You're not doing a show about the dangers of, um, toxic masculinity and then refusing to entertain any criticism that maybe you are also perpetuating some stereotypes of that nature. So I think from season one to season two, it did show some growth and self-reflection. I think you're absolutely right. It's a really, really good point to to make to to anyone who's even interested in getting into the show or has been watching it episode for episode. I will also say that I think that's a show that you can watch the first episode. And if you like the tone, then watch more. And if you don't like the tone, if that turns you off, you will not like it. Do not watch more. <laughs> Life is short. Move on to something else. There's other good stuff on Amazon that we're talking about that you can watch. Um, so if it's very much a, you gotta, you gotta test for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the next show on our list, Invincible, the animated superhero show shares a bit of DNA with the boys in the sense that it uses our familiarity with the genre to subvert our expectations and deliver surprisingly mature and nuanced pathos, despite the visceral bloody gore and the gallons of blood that it spills throughout its runtime. Yeah. It's surprisingly gory. Oh yeah. Invincible is not messing around. (laughs) 
I, I love it so much though. I, I started reading the comic books. I just got the, the big second volume. So I, I'm super excited. Hell yeah. I also feel like Invincible, the, the people on the show, the voice cast is unreal. Like the central family at its core, mom, Sandra O, oh, dad, JK Simmons, son, Stephen Yun. Like, hi, Amazing. yes, this family. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then surrounding that, you know, uh, you got uh, Zachary Quinto, you got Jason Manzukis, you you've got um, Zazie Beats, you got Zazie Beats, you've got Mahershala Ali, you've got uh, basically a thousand A-list stars. Seth Rogen voices a hilarious alien in it, and so it, it is kind of cool. And I guess we shouldn't necessarily count it as quality of show, although I love the show, but it is fun to be like every five seconds, like, hold on, pause. I got to go to IMDB and see where I know that voice from. Yeah, absolutely. Although if you watch Amazon shows on your computer, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you pause it, it shows who's in the screen. So you can- That's true. That is true. It's a shortcut. Guys, shortcut. Tip. Hot tip. Hot. Yeah. But I, but I love Invincible because at the end of the day, it is this- shockingly perverted father-son family dynamic story that takes you where you never expected to go, but we're thrilled to end up at, in my opinion, at least in the first season. And and now having read some of the comics, I I realized too, it literally only gets better from here. It's just a continued ascent because I mean, getting past where the show left off, it is unbelievable some of the things that are in store for this show. And this show has made interesting, unique changes too. I think decisions to ramp up. So Omni-Man, played by J.K. Simmons in the show, is far more savage than he is in the books. And he's very savage in the books. But in the show, they make it a point to be like, oh, he's a sociopath, without, without doubt. That's why J.K. Simmons is the perfect person to cast because he's this guy that I think in real life is like an affable, very nice, friendly guy. But on screen, he can play that or he can just play the most ruthless kind of kind of person, you know, like the whiplash versus the leave it to beaver kind of (laughs) sitcom dad. And he does both of those equally well, which is so great. Did you ever watch Oz? No, I did not watch Oz. Oh, okay, well, I, just long yeah. story short, yeah, for you and anyone listening, J.K. Simmons in the 90s plays an absolutely, like, big, stocky guy, a prisoner who's a neo-Nazi and is a torturous, evil, sadistic fuck. And he plays it so well. And then you see him in an interview, and you're like, oh, that's my ripped grandpa. I love that man. <laughs> I love him. Also, if you want to see J.K. Simmons playing both of those characters on the same show, uh, you should check out Counterpart, which love was Counterpart. a star show that was canceled too soon. It's actually incredible. And J.K. Simmons basically plays two characters who are the same guy living in alternate worlds, and then they interact. And it's so cool. It's a sp- it's an alternate world spy show. Like, guys, watch that. Guys, and that can- is streaming on Amazon Prime Video, both seasons, by the way. And, and Counterpart, I would say, and I know we're getting a little off topic, but it is yeah. one of the most underrated shows of the last five years. And I maintain that if it was on at least HBO, it, I mean, at least Showtime, if not HBO, it would have been so much bigger than it, wa- than it was and it wouldn't have been canceled too soon. Yeah. And listen, I... Um, there's a lot of TV out there and this is a show that I recently started rewatching a couple weeks ago because I loved it so much. I was just like, you know what? I want to watch counterpart. And then I just turned on my Mm -hmm. Amazon prime and found it and, and press play and literally have watched almost all of the first season and 
I'm about to start on the second season again, and it's such a good show. Anyway, shout out to showrunner Amy Berg, who is just very talented, and you should check out her work. (laughs) That show is so good. Um, But also, Invincible, also very good. And animation is not my preferred genre. Yeah, Uh, I was actually surprised when I saw this because you know I do love animation. So when you put it on there, I was like, wow, it really must have struck a chord with Gene, particularly in the oversaturated superhero market where we have literally endless options. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I'm down to try anything, but this was this, but I often don't really watch more of animated shows unless I really, really like them. So, you know, we've talked about when we were only talking about Netflix, I love Big Mouth, love that show. Love it. Um, You know, Tuca and Birdie, uh, which miraculously was resurrected, bless. (laughs) Um, Other animated shows. I love Bob's Burgers. And so Invincible is another one that it, it really did cut through for me. Um, so I really like it. So then what's your takeaway after identifying these action-centric shows for, for Amazon? Well, it's interesting. So I think there are other other action-centric shows, but it might not be their the primary genre. And I think about like the Underground Railroad, which I, yes. do, I would not categorize that as an action show, but there are a lot of action elements to mm-hmm. it. Um, the Wilds, which was, mm-hmm. which is is because they're filming the second season which i loved which is one of the best ya series i've seen in a long time but there are some action adventure elements because it's about a group of teenage girls stranded on a on a deserted island then there's um hunters which is like a meta kind of alternate history uh show about a group of nazi hunters in that one's pure pulp yeah, and that yeah. that's pulp, right? Yeah. But there are a ton of action elements. The the one that actually I think would also be considered a action centric series is the YA adventure Alex Ryder, but that is also actually an IMDb TV original imported. Yeah, imported by the UK. So I, so I haven't Amazon seen owns, that. Yeah, but I actually read the books as like a as a YA myself. So I would actually kind of like to check it out because I really like the books. I'm like, oh, 13 year old James Bond. I want to be that. Yeah, it's super fun. And so that's very, very action heavy. Um, I loved it. I watched the whole first season. I thought it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, as you guys can see, and as Jean so eloquently put, action seems to be, at the very least, the home base, home base from which Amazon builds outward. And I know that Lord of the Rings, The Wheel of Time, Tales of the Loop, those are sci-fi fantasy shows. But really, there is a lot of kinetic, you know, physical... Uh, motion in in those concepts and and what i'm sure to see i'm sure we'll get is large battles and lord of the rings and whatnot so they clearly have a foothold there and are trying to make that a, a bit of their persona as a streamer as we move forward and as they make these big you know without remorse jack ryan potential crossovers we're probably only going to see it more yeah exactly and listen if there are genres you think that you would associate amazon with over this these action shows that we've named please let us know, you know, read and review us on your, your podcasting platform and leave a comment there or tweet at us. I'm at hygiene. Brandon is the great underscore Catsby. Like, please talk to us. We, we want to hear what you have to say. And we want to know what you'd love to have us talk about when it comes to all things streaming. So please hit us up. Please do it. Unless you want to be a jerk, then don't. Yeah. Then, you know, be a jerk. I hope you you solve the things that you're going through, if so. All right, until next week, everybody. (laughs) Until next week. Boom, perfect.